So I had to kind of really learn the art of sharing in an organic way, sharing in a healthy way, being very unapologetic about where I stand and what I believe, but not feeling that that has to be my whole thing. And I don't have to put every intimate experience I have with God or with people out into the world because that's almost unhealthy for my heart and my spirit and my mind. And so I would say I've just grown in maturity as to how to navigate those waters, knowing what to share, when to share it, what's too much, what's not enough. And I feel like I'm at a really healthy place now, but it took five and a half years more or more to of oversharing and then undersharing and then trying to figure out what that is and then really deciding what that's going to look like and owning it. But it was some growing but now it's like I think I've arrived at this place of like well I'm using this in the most healthy way for not only my mental health but my spiritual health my emotional health and my personal life and I'm sure using it as a medium for a business as I originally began to but I hope to also encourage women in their faith and in their business and in their work Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. So glad you could share your time with me. Um, Looking forward to today's episode. We are finally addressing the sticky topic of social media. It is not all good and not all bad, right? It's a tool. It's about how we use it. But I don't know about you. I feel like social media has just changed so much over the years. I mean, just starting off with Instagram, I remember just taking photos to share with my friends and family kind of what was going on in my day-to-day life and now it's really turned into this kind of branding business right to brand your message or your business or your organization or ministry and the unintended byproduct of that is that it's come with a number of pressures for people you know not just those kind of in the branding business but also our youth um, going on and kind of this comparison game and sometimes just that imposter syndrome, maybe not feeling like you're living up to the image that you present, all of these things that we have to wrestle with that absolutely intersect with mental health and the culture, modern day culture that we live in today with this technological revolution, with this social media revolution that's taken off kind of faster than we've gained the coping skills to manage it within our own mental health. Um, We're doing better with it today. We're talking about it now. And that's exactly what I wanted to use this platform and this time for with this very special guest that I have. You may be familiar with her and seeing a lot of her work online. And if you're not, definitely check her out. I had an awesome conversation with Miss Jordan Lee Dooley. And Jordan is a total boss, okay, let me say. But aside from that, you know, just has a big heart to serve people and their passion and their purpose and direction as it has aligned with her own journey and what she's doing today and doing so in such a genuine way, I must say. Jordan Lee Dooley is the author of the national bestseller, Own Your Every Day, which was also named a best book to read to be a better person in 2019 by Inc. Magazine. And she's also been listed under Forbes, Hallmark, and Success Magazine's 30 Under 30 list. She hosts the top-rated She podcast, and her mission is to equip women with the tools they need to live purposefully and reach their greatest potential. Uh, She made up her own job title by referring to herself as a multi-passionate authorpreneur, and is happily married to her college sweetheart, Matt. The two are now business partners who work side by side from their farmhouse in the Indiana countryside and raise chickens in their free time. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jordan on staying true to yourself and guarding your mind in a social media world. So I have the lovely... Jordan Dooley with me. How are you doing? Oh girl, I am so good. So honored to be here with you. (laughs) What is, I always kind of ask this, especially when someone's on like the other side of the nation. How's (laughs) the weather doing over there? Honestly, it is beautiful today. We are in that like crisp fall pocket of two weeks that we get in Indiana. I don't know what your like fall weather tends to be like, but for us, it's like summer, two weeks of fall, winter. (laughs) And that's about it. So we had a lovely bonfire last night with our neighbors. We have neighbors that are like in their 70s. They're kind of like substitute grandparents. And um, we love them. And they walked over and we had a little bonfire with them. And they're just our buddies, you know. So that's what we've been loving this week because we've been traveling so much. It's finally nice to be home and enjoying a little bit of that Indiana fall while we still have it. (laughs) I'm sure. Oh, that's so sweet. We don't really... 
gosh, we don't really have seasons, unfortunately. I'm in California. Oh, that's right. So, that's right. We were so just in like, California. That's where we came from. And I was like, it's you? beautiful here, but I miss fall. <laughs> right? Ugh. Yeah. So we just missed past. Next time. Next, Next time. time. <laughs> <laughs> so I am so looking forward to today's discussion. We've already talked about multiple things. Um, and we're talking about uh, the intersectionality between kind of the social media world and mental and spiritual and emotional health. And while I know that this is not a new conversation, I still think that it's an important one. Um, and just kind of pulling back the layers on the various, I don't know, experiences and perspectives mm-hmm. and even just your personal journey there's so much going on and it's evolved so much. And I always like to say, like, I feel like the social media world and the online world has evolved mm-hmm. and grown faster than we as a society have gained the coping skills to manage 100%. it with our own, with ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of this, you know, tech revolution. And so just kind of leading up to that, I would, for those who don't already know you, you're amazing. Um, well, why don't you. you tell us more about yourself and, you know, your journey up to this point? Cause I know you've had such a journey <laughs> and, a you know, some of the <laughs> understatement. Yeah. And some of the work that you're doing today. Absolutely. So the short story is, uh, I often refer to my career at this point in my life and pretty much everything I've done as a very non-linear ball of yarn. <laughs> Because it kind of feels like that. I think that's how a lot of us feel. But um, I just kind of own it. I'm like, yeah, it's been a mess, but we're rolling with it. Um, Literally. (laughs) And uh, but no, I got started in the social media space uh, about five or six years ago. I was actually wrapping up my college degree. And I was not thrilled because I was getting a healthcare administration degree. I knew I wanted to do something in business. But I also have really cared about I really wanted to do something that was more like, I guess, directly uh, working with people. And so I was like, well, I don't necessarily want to be a nurse, but I know I care about like helping people with their health and with their life. And I also really love business. So maybe I'll do kind of like the healthcare business combo. Like that was about what I was thinking. Originally I was a, a speech pathology, uh, on the speech pathology track and I'm so multi-passionate. I feel like I need so much more variety in my work. And so I, after shadowing a speech therapist for a couple of days and realizing like it was the same setting pretty much every day in, in a, you know, office, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I can't do this. I need like 15 places to be all the time. So um, I realized that very quickly about <laughs> myself. And so switched degrees, ended up uh, being on the track to do the healthcare administration thing. And even through that, I felt like, I don't know if this is quite right for me. And I kind of had one of those like quarter life crises, I feel like. And that was when I had a conversation with my mom and I was getting ready to graduate college and didn't want to do what I had spent four years preparing to do. And I, and I talked to her and I was like, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know. I don't think I want to take a job in this. And so she just gave me the advice. She's like, okay, so don't, you know, she's like, just try some things. You have a little bit left of school. Like you, I mean, I was fortunate enough to graduate debt free. I was able to get scholarships. And so in that case, she was like, look, there's not a lot of pressure right now. If you have a little bit of time, you know, explore some things, do some creative things. So flash forward or fast forward a little bit. And that led to starting a hand lettering Etsy store that I called soul scripts. And it was all meant to be just encouraging uh, hand letter uh, decor, like home decor. And then I also did wedding decor. That was actually kind of my specialty. I did like some wedding invitations in calligraphy mm. and I did uh, wedding signage and it really worked out because I was in a sorority still at that point. And a lot of my sorority sisters had cousins or friends, you know, or older sisters getting married. So they wanted, you know, that was some of my first clients was, you know, their mom buying a sign for their older daughter's wedding and things like that. So eventually yeah. my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, he made the recommendation that I hop on, hop onto Etsy. And I'm like, how do you even know what Etsy is? Like you're a pretty artsy football player. But anyways, <laughs> he was like, you should have an Etsy so store. Like this is a great creative oh, outlet Matt. for you. I know, right? I'm like, Matt, you're the best. But he um, was kind of the one to give me this. He just didn't know me well enough at the time. Like he thought this will be a fun hobby. Like guitar has always been his creative outlet. So he kind of saw like, oh, you're good at like drawing and hand lettering. That could be your creative outlet and I'm like yeah psych like now it's become like my whole business it's evolved into everything so anyways the reason that's significant is because this was right around the time where yeah you know I'm doing this online for a while and then I realized I had this like you know Facebook had been around a little while but then Instagram came onto the scene and I was like I wonder if I could use this to like share about my art and like what I'm selling and so I started to do that but I also happened to share a lot of like encouraging captions and stories and uh, what I was learning because my faith was really becoming personal around that time in my life. So I was just kind of 
kind of like overflowing yeah. and sharing and that led to having some posts go viral and growing a community online and suddenly I had this like online business slash blog slash writing career mm-hmm. starting and it led to a lot of other things eventually I stopped the Etsy st- shop and grew into several different vis- business ventures kind of developed an online ministry for a while blogged like that led to publishing like it's just been this crazy like writing yeah. small business social media influence publishing journey that kind of evolved from just a small little start of doing something creative but all of it has been because of social media because of Instagram so it's like man I've seen the yeah. beauty of it and I've seen I've seen the hard parts that come with it too you know and it's like it can be a, a double-edged sword for sure but that's the short story and that's that is the short wow story. <laughs> that is the and I know that's the very short story and I personally relate to you so much Um, because it's kind of, it was kind of the same thing for me coming to faith and mental health. It's like all these different turns in your journey that ultimately led you to this place. And I love the one, I just love the support that you had in your life, um, which just highlights like how big of a deal it is to have the right people in your corner from your mom, just, you know, being like, Hey, just take some time and really dig down into what's you and what you love and your and Matt. Oh, praise God for Matt. Um, (laughs) Just, you know, yeah, why don't you expand more on this? And I love that, especially for creatives. I don't know if you've heard of the term multi-potentialite. I think I have Um, recently because I was talking, Matt and I call multi-passionate-itis because it's a real thing. And Oh, I like that. And then I heard someone say multi-potentialite and I'm like, all of this, everything. Yes. (laughs) All of it. And so, and I love how God shapes our journey. You know, a lot of times we're just like, oh, God, what is my calling? What is my purpose? And it's like you learn through these Mm -hmm. shifting and shaping of these experiences, which has totally been true to your life. And uh, I love it. I love it so much. I I repeat that advice that my mom gave me. She said, just try stuff. And at some point you have to go, okay, I've tried a million things. What am I going to focus on? Um, And that's actually really been the story of the last year or so in my life of like really picking my lane and going, okay, this is what I'm truly an expert at. So it's what I'm going to teach on. And everything else I'll just, you know, that I care about talking about will be, will support that, you know, and rather than I think what we can do as multi-potentialites or multi-passionate creative type people is we can have so many interests and we almost try to pursue each one individually rather than saying what's the right. one I'm best at and really good at and that I can actually make a career out of run in that but then I can sprinkle in these other things and use the other things to support it without having to do those things full time and that was like a really big like aha yeah. moment for me as someone like that but I would have never discovered that or been able to even select from anything had I not had a very multi-passionate journey and that started by giving the permit being given the permissions to literally just hey try something like dabble discover you won't know what you're passionate about until you take action and now I always say a lot of the time clarity comes from action so that's so true gosh you're like speaking to my spirit that is all my experience (laughs) I'm like wow we can have an entire conversation just on this this is gonna be fantastic (laughs) so I love, first of all, I love how your social media experience just came from this authentic kind of creative flow of, you know what, I'm just going to put my my work out there mm-hmm. and see who catches on. And it kind of created a community out there. And now you've, it looks very different from when you first started. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the social media world looks very different 100%. than <laughs> when we first got on. And so what do you think has within yourself, like what do you think has changed most between when you first started out online compared to today as far as your mental, spiritual, and emotional state? Hmm, You know, a lot of things. But one thing I think that's been really significant to me in most recent months and even over the last year or so has been wisdom when it comes to it. Because I think it's such a new space that we're all still very much pioneering. I know it's funny. I think there's a lot of pressure around it. Like, you better get on. You better grow your business there. You better do it. Like, you're going to miss the boat. And it's like, honestly, it's only been around like eight years or something. Like, it's not – it's still something that we're all just pioneering. Um, And I think there'll be many iterations of what social media will become. But one thing that I would say is I look back at when I began and honestly, I'm so thankful for the fact that I did begin when I did, even if it's like, wow, that was embarrassing. Like, why did I try to call people sweet (laughs) friends? I never call people sweet friends, but I thought that made me sound more mature or something. I don't know. You can call me sweet friend. I don't mind. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. I just I look back at some things and I'm like, what the heck, Jay? Like, who were you trying to be? Um, but not only that, but I also found in a big lesson that I learned is I put so much out there in social media because I have such a big heart for helping women in different areas of life. And I also was at such a place of growth in my own life and in my own spiritual journey that it was like this overflow of like everything I learned, I wanted to share. And I had this place to share it all of a sudden beyond just like my sorority sisters or my friends. And so I was just like putting it out there and putting it out there, which was awesome in so many ways. And it made such an impact. But what I found over time and I think this was really huge on my mental health, was that it's, it kind of over, like very subtly, it was never like an overnight thing, but very subtly, what started to happen is that created this expectation. And I was just sharing from a place of overflow and passion and excitement. And like, personally, it was still so new for me. But when you have any kind of platform, when you have any kind of, um, when you're sharing from a place of, you know, uh, influence of any kind, what starts to happen is people don't know how new it is for you. And what can begin to what that leads to is almost expectation and assumption that you are now their spiritual leader or that you are their quote unquote, not a pastor, but almost kind of like pastoring over them, even though that was never your intent. And so what I began to find is that I was carrying a really heavy weight with that and that I was almost like share, it began to shift from, I'm sharing from a place of overflow, just alongside my small business to now this is expected of me. People love this part of what I'm doing. So I need to focus on that only And it eventually kind of spilled into now I feel like I'm sharing from a place of obligation. Like if I didn't share about God within, you know, three or four posts or like put it in a caption, people would be like, hey, like, are you still good in your faith? Like, I always look to you for that. I mean, I would even have people reach out and say things like, hey, I noticed you haven't shared about your faith this week. Like, you know, I really need the Jesus. I need a hit of Jesus. I need encouragement. And that was like toxic for me as a human you know especially because I'm not a like bible teacher like I had shared on my journaling methods and things that I like to do to take notes but like I I think what I realized was I became the things that began to really grow were and and people started to know me for were like how I highlighted in my bible and the devotions that I'd share on Instagram and stuff but behind the scenes I was like running a photography business still and I was still doing a small shop and like I had these things going on so I felt super pulled almost to a place where it was like online when we share something it can almost like I had to learn basically what I would say to kind of wrap up and answer your question clearly yeah yeah from then until now I've had to go through many seasons of and shaping and, and shifting of what is wise and what is for me to share and what is for me to just be to have because God doesn't require I think we have as Christians like we can have this super we can have this pressure that we put on ourselves or others like oh you have this platform you better be like you know preaching all the time you better be sharing all the time and it's like actually like I don't think God needs us and when we do it should be from a healthy place of overflow not from a place of obligation or expectation or fear that people are going to judge us for being a bad Christian if we need to like back up a little bit. So I had to kind of really learn the art of sharing in an organic way, sharing in a healthy way, being very unapologetic about where I stand and what I believe, but not feeling that that has to be my whole thing. And I don't have to put every intimate experience I have with God or with people out into the world because that's almost unhealthy for my heart and my spirit and my mind. And so I would say I've just grown in maturity as to how to navigate those waters, knowing what to share, when to share it, what's too much, what's not enough. And I feel like I'm at a really healthy place now, but it took five and a half years more or more to of oversharing and then undersharing and then trying to figure out what that is and then really deciding what that's going to look like and owning it and allowing myself to disappoint people in the process because I think it does take maturity to be willing to be unliked and that was something I wasn't okay with yeah especially as an Enneagram three I don't know if you know anything about your Enneagram I'm a three you you get it I'm a three (laughs) this makes a lot of sense now I get it (laughs) so it was a tough thing I think it it was some growing pains but now it's like I think I've arrived at this place of like well, I'm using this in the most healthy way for not only my mental health, but my spiritual health, my emotional health, and my personal life. And I'm sure using it as a medium for a business as I originally began to, but I hope to also encourage women in their faith and in their business and in their work. So I love that so much. And I totally identify just the difference between sharing from this place of overflow and sharing because you need to show mm-hmm. up for, you feel this pressure to show up for others mm-hmm. and I had that same thing where it's like, I need to make sure I add God. Yeah, and it's like if you're doing that, that's like just as bad as you might as well just not. Lately, I've just been taking on the mindset of, you know what? If anything, my faith should just come out by the nature of, you know, my character or the things that I say. Like, I don't have to constantly 
you know, quote scripture to affirm my faith. Like, who am I trying to prove this to? Like, you know, I know where I am with God. (laughs) So I, girl, I'm like, I'm right there with you. So amen to healthy, healthily navigating. I think it can apply outside of faith too, like anything personal. Like faith is a very personal thing. Exactly. And I think that's where we get it confused because it's like, well, aren't we supposed to share it? It's like, yes, but I think we often forget. And this is where I get like so confused by this whole thing. But like, just to go on a rabbit hole here, there's two things. I think no matter what our businesses are, whatever like as a creator right as a podcaster you're a small business owner as a podcaster as an author I'm a small small business owner and in the marketing world a lot of times they'll tell you like you want to get personal and social and like I do that naturally like it's just who I am but it also now has like, been identified yeah. as like a marketing tool and I'm like well that's kind of weird but like yeah. okay I get it um and I guess that doesn't come naturally to everyone so the whole point is though you know I think this can apply not just when it comes to sharing our faith but even sharing like intimate details of our life like I've had to look at social media and remember the goal of social media isn't to have an intimate connection with every single one of my followers it is to serve them with some with an educational informational or entertaining piece of content that will help them in their life in some way. So that's really given me a freedom to say there's the, the like whatever personal detail I'm sharing about, whether it's anything within my marriage, if mm-hmm. I'm using that as an example to educate on a certain principle, or if it's something to do with my faith, or if it's something to do with my business, like I don't have to tell, I don't have to pull out my financials, right? I don't have to pull out like the dirty laundry of my marriage. Right. I can do a very, I've realized you don't have to get into every nitty gritty detail of your personal life because people honestly don't care that much. You can kind of do an overview. You don't have to get into the depth and then turn around and serve them because people really yeah. want to just be served and they can care more about what's going on in their life than they really do what's going on in your life unless it can help their life. And so it really helped me put it into perspective that way of like, wait a second, no matter what it is, whether it's our faith, our marriages, our relationships or anything else that's personal in our lives, there is this level of like, you can be authentic without sharing too much. And there's a wisdom that comes with doing that, regardless of whether or not you use it for business. I think social can be this pressure place to like share everything about your life. And I've just really learned to put some boundaries on it. And I think that that's so important, whether it's your faith or any other element of your life. I love that. And I have like, a sentence that I kind of cling on to. I have to have these sentences and affirmations that I hold on to and remind myself of in these moments. And mine is always, you know, you don't owe the world everything. Yes. Like I have to, I remind myself that you don't owe the world every detail of your life, yeah. you know, cause sometimes we feel like we owe it. And so speaking to that, you know, we, we, now we do talk about, I've seen this movement, you know, where we talk about authenticity so much mm-hmm. <laughs> online to the point that it's almost becoming white noise. But I do feel you've been doing this for years before it kind of became this movement. I kind of had this weird moment of like, it's weird to me that all of a sudden now that this is a trend, we've almost become fake about being real and perfect about being imperfect. Yes. It makes no sense. I feel like there's almost this push to like brand yourself as real. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like yeah. my, my commitment is to always be real with you. And here's what I have done especially after those first couple years of being like, oh, wow, that drained me. Like I got to this point where I was like, I will never promise you that I'm going to be like 1000% authentic and real and totally open and honest with you about everything in my life. I will never, ever, ever brand myself as that person. And not because I'm not going to be authentic and real and show up as myself, because I kind of believe that there's two things. One, with the social media post or video, like you can only be surreal because it's a single moment captured in time and probably like the 30th right. regular, like picture you grabbed um, or that you took, you know, and not only that, but like it's it's like, yes, you can bring relatable. I always look at it like not only is it difficult to be 1000% real because you're just not in real life. So you have to like not stress yourself out over that but if you are genuine and if you are real and you do care about people that's going to come through to them without you having to say it anyone who says jay you are so authentic online or you're so real or whatever it is it's other people identifying that i've never had to tell them that and i think that's where it almost becomes inauthentic when you have to be like i'm being authentic i just need to be authentic for a second i just need to be real for a second it's like just be real. You don't have to brand yourself as that. You don't have to put that pressure out there because then it begins to be, if you do have to take a step back for a season, like I've learned the hard way, it creates this weird expectation on you where it's like, hey, why aren't you telling us this? Like, why aren't you revealing all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just figuring it out. So I'll let you, I, I don't yeah. know anybody that, you know, and I think that's the danger that comes with. And so I always look at it now 
like relatable content should be something that actually articulates a thought that or a subconscious feeling that a reader or viewer is having when you can articulate that and provide a solution to it by sharing your own story of how you might relate to it that's when it's valuable people honestly don't care about your dirty laundry unless it's to turn around and give them a tool to help them deal with their dirty laundry you know what I mean yeah and it's and I'm like you I'm like wait when did this shift take place Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's like within the past maybe three years really recent Um, I think people just notice like, oh, this works online. Like this connects with people. So now it's a strategy. And I do, I've done online media helping make brands more human and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing on that and for just being yourself along this process. Um, It's not bad. People are desiring that. So that's why I always say like, don't not be authentic. Don't not share those. You know, if you have a a story that's like, well, that's real. You know, it's like, yeah, don't go. Oh, well, now because it's trendy, I shouldn't share it. It's more just like come back to why would my audience care about this? Because for here's the best Mm -hmm. example I can give. I always talk about like the makeupless selfie trend or like the, you know, I love Mm -hmm. it. I'm here for it. I'm like, let's be positive about our our image and let's like, let's embrace the flaws like here for it. But not just mm-hmm. for the sake of getting the like applause like you're so brave you know blah, blah, like that that to me doesn't seem brave i think it's actually right. more effective when it's like like for example last or during the summer i had this really i've always kind of the last about three four years i've had this really weird random struggle with cystic acne it's finally like chilled out the last several months knock mm-hmm. on wood um but you know i had this weird <laughs> struggle with it and i had shared that i was going through that and i wasn't overly sharing about it but i was just every now and then sharing like this is what my scars are like right now here's something i'm trying or but i recently shared back in the summer a picture of a flare-up that I had. I had been really trying to limit caffeine and limit dairy and try to change my diet and change my skincare and like was doing a lot to try to get that under control hormonally and diet-wise and everything. Well, we were in Arizona. It was like a million and four degrees because it was the summer in Arizona. And I was in photo shoots for like content shoots and then for a wedding and it was hot and sweaty. But then I was, my Mm -hmm. skin was dry because it's the desert. And my face was like, blah, I don't know what I'm doing. And it just like freaked out and it just totally flared up on this one side like it was so bad and I started picking at it because I'm like oh my gosh I have to get rid of this before this wedding you know and it's funny and ironic yeah. because three months earlier my book had come out and I talked about not picking yourself apart and um then I mm. did that very thing of like picking myself apart right so I shared what my skin looked like in the raw I mean it was like bleeding it was like inflamed it was nasty but I shared it not to go, here's me without makeup. Look at me. Like it was like not to get the you're so brave. I actually shared it to share a lesson that I had to relearn from my own book of right. like I've been making all this progress and now I've just had this major setback and I've I, I've like for a day felt super discouraged, but I'm remembering to re- like take my own advice and not let a setback hold me back. And then related that to my readers and said, hey, if yeah. you are like working toward a weight loss goal or working toward a financial goal and then you had this major thing like pop up and it's totally set you back, don't let that stop the progress that you're still making. And I, it was to share like an actual lesson, not to just be like, I'm embracing my flaws, you know, and there's nothing wrong with embracing your flaws. I think it's empowering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just always like remembering why am I doing this? And is it for a bigger purpose than my own applause? And if it's not, then that's where I think it can get really unhealthy. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone 
someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, and it's so much more, not only just powerful, but I feel like it's so fulfilling when you're just posting authentically for the right reasons that align with your values and convictions. Um, And so I, I appreciate that. And on that note, you know, getting back to the mental health, spiritual health, emotional health aspect, have you ever, you know, experienced feelings of anxiety, depression, or burnout, or even like spiritual apathy, you know, as a result of constantly scrolling or feeling the constant need to produce online? Um, I feel like this is something that's going on a lot in our generation and uh, just kind of speaking to maybe your experience at all, you know, uh, journeying through that. Yeah. And what's helped. Yeah. Well, I would say absolutely. I wouldn't say depression, but anxiety, absolutely. And really a spiritual apathy. Yeah. I mean, I've been pretty transparent about this just because a lot of people are like, what happened to you? I'm like, I just kind of burned out. I mean, I would say like summer right. 2018, it had been ha- it had been going on throughout the whole 20 summer or the whole 2018, uh, the whole year of 2018. But by the like, by I would say July or August, I just had this place like, I don't even care. Like, I don't really care to read my Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't care to talk about it. I don't really care what people think. I don't really know what to talk. I don't I don't care. Like, I just hit this total place of like, I don't want to say hard heartedness, but like, like apathy, I think is a really good word of like, yeah. And, and it was because I would wake up every morning with massive anxiety. I'd had thousands of people sending me messages like, hey, like, what's what what's your devotion for the day? Do you have theological, you know, advice on my oh husband my. leaving me and like all this stuff? And I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I'm sorry. I really have no clue. Like, it was like, but that was like the perception. And I realized how much, yeah. of, not a mistake I made, because I believe God uses everything that we do. But I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've created this expectation that like, I'm a theologian or something because I open up about what I believe. And like, I needed to recreate that narrative. But it was first, I was like, I don't want to help you. I don't know. I can't. I'm like, I felt so in- inept and incapable, yet expected. Yeah. And so I think through that experience, over time, it just started to slowly bur- like wear me down. And I was like, really starting to reconsider, like, is this the lane I'm supposed to be running in? Or have I been almost trying to force that because I don't want to maybe take a healthier route for me in this season of my life and maybe risk people's opinions, right? So that was like a huge conviction, but it wasn't something yeah. that I really took action on until I had really spent a year. I remember I literally said to God, it was like probably, I don't know, September of 2018 or around that time. And I was like, God, I do all the things like I go to church and I go to worship nights and I have our small group and I listen to worship music and I do my quiet time and I just don't feel it. And I don't really know. And I know you're not a feeling and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I was like, but I am done forcing it. And I kind of just did the very unchristian thing. (laughs) And because I was Mm -hmm. having anxiety attacks out the random, like 3 3 a.m. in the like middle of the night, I'd wake up and like feel like I was like suffocating and I didn't know why. And I was like, where is this pressure coming from? And where is this stress coming from? And so I finally was like, God, you know what? I'm going to not listen to worship music. I'm going to not try to go to every single Christian function that I've been trying to go to just to like stay afloat. You know, I was like, can you just meet me? Like if you are there, like, will you just meet me? Because I'm not like anything I'm trying to do right now is like I'm still trying to do something. And I'm just going to not. And it was so crazy to me because what I started to experience was kind of a few months of life almost what it would be like without that if that makes sense like without 
having yes. God's like like songs and community and everything. I almost just kind of like distanced myself and was like, God, you're gonna have to come over after me. And I think this is actually it was it sounds so like negative in some ways, but I learned something so powerful. And it was that mm-hmm. I think sometimes we as believers can begin to feel and believe that we somehow find God like and I have had this big conviction of like God's not lost it's us that gets lost and we right, get and so right, like, we're right. the ones that need to be found and so I think this advice to like read your Bible do this do that it's like yes please do those things absolutely but if you're doing them in this effort to like I gotta get back to closer to God I gotta grow like my faith is struggling my faith is struggling and like I do believe being in the word can help, but I sometimes believe like just letting God meet us and not having to strive mm-hmm. after anything and not having to be like force anything because I think that actually sets us up for disappointment because we're like, God, what the heck? I've been reading my Bible every day and I've been doing all this and I'm still not feeling yeah. it. And then we feel like we're owed something. So I finally realized like I'm not owed anything. I don't deserve anything. God, just like, can you just show up in, in my life in a way that I can't force or create or manufacture? And a few months went by and I was just dry and I was just over everything. And it was the craziest thing though, because then slowly he was putting people in my life that were like, hey, I don't even really know you, but like God told me to share this like word with you. And they had a note on their phone and it like totally affirmed everything I was going through and affirmed the like the direction I felt like I was supposed to be going in even though it was totally different than what I had started to do and it was just neat because it was like I think sometimes we can try to fix everything and I do believe there's there's actions we can take and I did take a lot of actions but first I just kind of paused and took inventory and just allowed myself to be kind of found again and be met by God rather than me trying to go and meet God and that's a very opposite I think piece of advice than we're often given but it was game-changing for me and it started to like reignite my desire to not only work towards something, but also like it, I slowly noticed like the anxiety was slowly starting to settle down and the stress was slowly starting to feel like I, I actually got to a place where I was like, I'm just going to do less. Like I'm going to do a couple things really well that I actually want to do that I'm mm-hmm. actually good at and not be everything to everybody when they want me to be. And I'm like, it's crazy how a year and a half later, it's just a totally different experience. But yeah. So to answer your question, yes. I think that deconstructing is the best thing that we can do, especially when we're, when we're apathetic, mm-hmm. just deconstructing, like you said, and letting go. And it's so beautiful because you kind of rediscover God's faithfulness in this authentic mm-hmm. way. Uh, and it's just you know, much more true to your relationship with mm-hmm. him and it overflows out. And in the psych world, that's that falls along like what we would call dissonance. Mm-hmm. So dissonance is when, you know, your actions or your outward works aren't like aligning with where you really are internally or what you really believe or the opposite, what your, your actions aren't lining up with what you do believe. Mm. And so because of this dissonance, it cre- actually creates more and more distance, which creates more and more discomfort. Mm. So it's better to just get back to that real place, you know, yeah. and just, hey, look, I don't feel like doing these things. I'm not feeling it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate... Um, I appreciate your openness and sharing that because I I believe that there are going to be a lot of people who are online as well, who are believers and have probably felt this too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so speaking about social media culture, it's not all good and it's not all bad. And that's what I like to tell people. There are benefits to social media too. Um, You know, it's just about how we're using it, right? So you've kind of evolved over this journey and sorting things out and I'm sure still figuring things out, you know, as I am myself. So how would you say like we would, at least for yourself, glean from the benefits of social media while still maintaining healthy boundaries for our own mind and soul? Like you've been kind of talking about this. Is there anything that practically helps you maintain these boundaries of like okay yes I'm putting out this is a great thing but also like boundaries for my soul yes absolutely so a couple things one specifically that's been very helpful um is to as much as I can and I always am about grace too like I'm about having healthy routines but every now and then like life happens right um but one thing that I've really tried to implement over the last several months, um, even up in about a, about a year now, is to take a 24-hour break from social media every week. Because what I've found can happen, especially when you, it's something that you use often, which is the majority of us, whether or not we use it for our work, is we can then say, you know what? I'm burned out on social media. I've been comparing myself. I just need to take a break. you know. And then we take like two weeks off or a month off, which is awesome. And I actually highly recommend doing that. I don't have the luxury of doing that very often because my work is very tied to social media. 
So if I'm just like, peace out, I'm going to be gone for a month. Like it, it's not that it's bad. And I actually think I need to do that at some point. But um, what I found is I don't necessarily ever really feel super burned out on social media because I actually implement rhythmic rest from it every single week. So a 24 hour period on the weekend, like all day on Saturday or Friday afternoon through Saturday afternoon. And I, and I mix it up depending on the week. Like I, I like to extend it through Sunday evening if I can. I always post on Sunday evenings. Just that's one of my things. That's like one of my highest engagement times. So it's always good for me to do that. But I try to take off a lot of time prior to kind of kicking the week back off with that. And so at least that's been the rhythm so far. It can always change. But um, yeah, just doing that weekly and then also allowing myself two hours in the morning. So I try to wake up around 630 or seven every morning. It varies, obviously, if I'm on the road or, you know, time zones are off or something. But when I'm home and when mm-hmm. I'm in my normal routine, I love to wake up around, you know, 6.30 or 7 and then have from about 7 to 9 for my for my morning to have my quiet time, to go for my jog, to get showered, to get ready, and then start my work day at 9. And I actually try to keep a lot of my reactive activities, such as like responding to DMs and things like that for the afternoon. And it's not that I never do it in the morning, but a lot of my creative time is in the morning. So I'm either recording stories that I will share like around lunchtime or I'm writing a blog post or working on a book chapter or right now I'm in my creative block and I'm recording an episode with you, like doing things that require a little bit more mental energy and then responsive yeah. activity. I tend to try to save for the afternoons during my days. It really helps me break up how I'm using my brain energy and where I'm like using my time and then keeping that weekly rhythm of, hey, I'm going to take a day off on Friday, Saturday or Sunday, whatever works for my travel schedule. Like last week I spoke at an event on Sunday. So I was sharing on Sunday afternoon about the event. But um, the week before that, I took all day Saturday off and we were outside. And, you know, so it's just what's that what's that rhythmic break to actually fully pull away from the phone, fully pull away from, you know, the device, from the social media so that when I come back, I'm like refreshed and recharged. And it's like it's consistent rather than these random like month breaks we take after 14 months of too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I love that you said your reactivity time and your response time. I feel like I need to use that now. (laughs) You know, just this whole idea of managing your energy rather than your time. Hasn't that been life-changing? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I know it has been for me where it's like, okay, this is where my energy is highest. This is where my energy is lowest. So I need to manage my tasks based Mm -hmm. on that. And I love the idea of rhythm, like you just mentioned, and having even having grace for the times that you do take off, you know, and not being so strict with, okay, this is my time, this is my sabbatical, this is my, but, you know, gauging it with where it fits into your life and how the flow of your life is going, and that makes it more natural. Um, and I, I love that. That's, to me, just applying that basic concept. It can be so healthy and life-changing. Mm, so true. Yeah. In going, like you were saying about, you know, oh, you're, you know, you can get caught up in the comparison and the vanity and the things like that. Um, One quick question that I did have is, you know, how do we combat the slippery slope of social media comparison and vanity? And I know this is like a big topic, but, you know, you see someone and you can kind of mix up that admiration with, oh, these are things I need to be doing or I need to be more like this. And your strength is not in being that other person, right? Like God did not create you to be that person. That is not where your power is, so to speak. Um, But it's so easy to, you know, somebody might see you and like, oh, Jordan kind of writes this way or she does things this way and it seems to be really successful. Like maybe I should keep be doing it like this. And um, it's a really slippery slope. And I'm not sure how, to what extent you may have experienced that as far as as maybe seeing other influencers online or people who are doing things a certain way and just having that thought like, hmm, I wonder if I should be doing it like this. Or this seems more effective. Um, how do you how do you kind of combat that and staying true to your lane and yourself and where we actually find ourselves more more thriving and healthier in that? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things. The first is 
I think it's genius and really smart to learn from others who have gone before us. So one of the best ways to avoid comparison is to focus on how can I be coachable. So there's nothing wrong, but like you said, it can be a slippery slope. So I'll just be very transparent and say that I pretty much don't follow along with a lot of people who are doing similar things. I every now and then like to cheer them on or I actually do things for research. So one thing that I found is you have to have an ownable space in the marketplace, especially if you're if you're creating something right as a creative like you just shared it can be really easy to look at someone who's ahead of you or who's done some things and be like oh I should do it like that and I've certainly done that absolutely I'm like okay but I try to look at it from like I am doing this for research to find what exists and what needs to exist and so what I've done is I'm like okay there's the so-and-so model I literally have explained this to my team I'm like this is the model of how so-and-so does it and this is where I'm different from them this is the model how so-and-so does it and this is how I'm different from them and this is the model how so-and-so does it and this is how I'm different from them and I do it like three or four different like similar type personalities and I go Mm -hmm. where's the gap and what gap can I run in and that's how I try to think so I'm like hey that's really cool and that's really working for you and there's probably gonna naturally be some similarities that I have with other people because there's only so many creative ideas under the sun but my whole thing is okay but what's the underserved gap and how can I actually, I, I always describe them to him. I'm like, I want to shoot the gap between this, this, and this. I want to shoot the, I want to breathe, be the hybrid of like this element of this person, but not these other things. Cause that's nothing to do with me. This smart, like hack that this person does from a marketing standpoint. And then this messaging kind of over here, but with this unique spin on it. And so I actually create, and that's how you can really create anything. If you think about it, it's pulling some, from mm-hmm. some elements of that could work for me, but I want to do it in this way. And I like the method that they're using or the structure they're using for this but it's not going to work with my messaging so I need to tweak it here and pulling those things but always asking yourself where is the gap and so I always refer to this example where I mean, I don't read books when I'm writing books. Like there was so many mm-hmm. awesome books that a lot of people right. love that came out this past, like the year that I was writing and I didn't read them. I was like, I can't because I want mine to be my own thing. And that sound like a lot of people are like, what are you reading? I'm like, nothing, I'm writing, <laughs> you know? Um, but I try to avoid those things a little bit during a high level creation process too, because I want to make sure all my ideas are my own. And even if there's some, like, there's always going to be similar elements to different things like I shared, but I've really found yeah. that just discipline can be helpful and then to look at anything that currently exists or that people are ahead of you always to think about the gap that I could shoot and so what's my unique angle and I found that I you know wrote this book it was in the personal development space kind of the female faith personal development inspiration space which Mm -hmm. is a very broad space right there's a lot there but what I found is that I felt like there was, especially in the personal development space, I felt like there was a lot of things that talked like that really encouraged women to go after their dreams and that was a big part of my message but I thought what's a pain point that I'm feeling or that I felt in regards to that, that I haven't really read a book on or, or heard of a book on even right. if I personally haven't read it. And what I found was I was like, no one's really talking to the person who like doesn't even know what their dream is or like has a million dreams and mm-hmm. doesn't know what to focus on. Like everybody I feel like yeah. assumes we all have our dream figured out, you know, and that's great because a lot of people do and that's the market for that. But I was like, I read, I've heard of those books or I read those messages on Pinterest or on Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, cool, I still have 15 million ideas. How do I know which one is my dream? You know, and um, I was like, maybe I should just speak to that person because I couldn't think of a single book in that space that served that gap. And so that was the angle I wrote about this whole concept of like finding your purpose and chasing your dreams on. It just made it slightly different from what already existed. And that was my unique angle, the gap I could shoot. And I think we have to think of it like that. You know, it's so easy to look out and be like, oh my gosh, somebody's already writing an inspirational book like ho humbug like I can't do it and it's like well yeah of course Mm -hmm. millions of people are doing it and probably better in their own way but if you can find a unique angle and a gap to shoot that's where you're really going to have success so we are so on one accord because I was just going to ask you to share more about your book and the idea behind it and how you got there and uh, I would, yeah, I mean, I know you just kind of detailed um, kind of the, the pain point or the pinpoint, but is there anything else that, you know, someone who's thinking about buying your book or wanting to know more about or maybe like who it's for? Um, that you want to share about Own Your Everyday? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I wrote this book really for a woman who feels one of three ways. Like she's pulled in many directions and doesn't know which one's right, who feels like she has no direction, uh, is completely directionless, 
or like she has a direction but doesn't really know how to take action on it because I found that that can be like the most paralyzing thing when you feel one of those three ways and it's most common in women and and young like kind of young women but it's been crazy because this book has served so many different age groups but women in a transitional season of life like whether that's I'm getting ready to finish grad school and I thought I was going to go this direction but now I've had this opportunity pop up and I'm really stuck or I don't know what I want to do with my life like if you've ever subconsciously thought yeah. I don't know what I'm doing with my life or what I want to do or what my purpose is like this is ultimately the book to serve you because it's it's head on directly directly addressing that question with a lot of very practical uh steps and considerations and questions to ask and ways to get some of that direction very clear so it's meant to serve that person and I always say in transitional seasons of life because I think when we're going through transition whether that is from you know high or college or grad school into career or um, moving from one city to another for our career or getting married or seeing all our friends get married and feeling like the girl in 27 dresses like whatever those transient seasons of life are for us it can feel very isolating and uncertain and that can be really overwhelming because we're just trying to get our footing and figure out like what's my thing where do I land or what's my thing now or I just got laid off or I just had a baby or I just got married like who am I now what's my purpose now where am I going what do I want to do what is my dream I have no idea and my dad's always calling and asking what I'm doing or my neighbor's always asking you know and so those real feelings that we have I really wanted to put words to and articulate and provide solutions to so that it doesn't feel so daunting and overwhelming to like figure out our lives in the next five minutes and really begin to how do I own my everyday now how do I experience success now before I even hit that milestone because I really believe that we we can dream about these extraordinary things these big milestones the publishing the book or the graduating or the this or the that but we really can't do those extraordinary things well until we learn to own the everyday things really well. And so that's kind of the the tools we're really laying out to give you this, the tools to have micro successes in your life that will really build up to those those macro moments in your life. And I love, I mean, the name, the title so perfect because that's so true, I feel like, for anyone who does feel like, okay, where am I supposed to be right now? Who am I supposed to be through this transition? Who am I? Because our identity is so tied to our job or the season we're in or and what do you think about yourself when those things change? And it's true. When you're in those seasons, you kind of just have to own each day and like make the most of it and be faithful with whatever's in front of you or whatever calling or idea or whatever work God has given you for that day. And he leads you there as he has in your life and your journey. And so I think that's going to be so helpful. And all of the links to that, to your book and where people can get it, that is going to be in the show notes. So you guys must grab that. It's such a long journey. Most people don't realize writing a book is like a two-year process. So when it all comes together, you're like, this oh my is gosh. a thing. What? <laughs> yes. And, and so, you know, just kind of wrapping things up just the best way for those listening to stay connected with you and the work that you're doing absolutely well I am on Instagram at Jordan Lee Dooley and you can find me at jordanleedooley.com that's where we have our resources I also have an online education center for creatives uh, at you can find it on Instagram the own it academy so that kind of pairs nicely with the book but yeah come hang out Yes, I love it. Thanks so much, Jordan, for spending your morning with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for having Catching me. Catching up. so fun to chat. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time.